NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, Episode 78, the 2020 Wrangler NFR is nearing its final rounds. And while I look forward to 2021 in Las Vegas, this has been an unbelievable experience for myself and everyone in the rodeo industry. And our guests today are no exceptions, with Susan Canode, our NFR insider, sharing stories that have made this NFR truly one of a kind, and NFR music director, Benji Bendeley, taking us behind the scenes of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. But before we do that, here's NFR Rewind with Jeff Metters and Butch Knowles from the Cowboy Channel. Round nine from Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, the 2020 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. And to win that world championship in round number 10, you got to survive round number nine. And tonight, some of the top contenders, hey, they didn't survive it. They excelled in it. Yeah, they did. Round number nine. You know, we see a lot of things move around in this round. Sometimes it gets a little disappointing. It didn't get disappointing tonight. It was awesome. Boy, some guys made some great moves. Yeah, some average jockeying between Casey Field and Tim O'Connell, but the go-round win goes to Cole Reiner, 89.5 points. He was on Arbitrator Joe from Calgary. Shocker. Calgary Bronx carries another guy to the winner's circle. <laughs> Boy, they have been collecting some buckles over there on the Calgary horses, and another great ride by the first-time NFR, Reiner. Busy in terms of the guys that won the, the round in, in steer wrestling. Matt Reeves was in there, Tyler Waggis Pack, and Jacob Talley. Yeah, huge run for Matt Reeves, you know, 3 5, but then here comes Waggis Pack, did a great job catching this steer. 3 5 to time, and they thought, well, that's pretty good. It's all over. No, it's not. Not until Talley goes. 3 5, three runs, three chances. Boy, that guy, when he gets his hands on him, he uh, disposes of them quickly. Two teams tying in the team roping side of things. Chad Masters, Wesley Thorpe, and also Colby Lovell and Paul Eves. Yeah, 3.8 seconds. It was crazy fast. Another look at it. Paul Eves does a great job just cleaning it up and then getting back to allow his header to face over there right against the chutes. That was good. Well, you got a huge fight going on in the saddle bronc riding. You got Ryder Ride trying to win it all. He's one in the world, one in the average. Wyatt Casper, the go-around winner, though, he's right there with him. Yeah, we talked about Ryder Wright not going away. Well, guess what? Wyatt Casper won't go away either. So this really is a one-header in the Bronx race. He's been very quiet, but tonight he was explosive. Tough Cooper winning the round in tie-down roping, 6.9 seconds. They're all pretty glad that it's round nine instead of round one when this starts right here because he is electric, isn't he? Barrel racing, Haley Kinzel and sister do it again. Mathematically, I'm, I'm not sure anybody's going to be able to catch them. I think I'd step out on that limb a little bit with you. You know, sister almost hit this barrel and tipped it over. That was a, almost a huge mistake. After that, she just cruised into the victory once again. Yeah, three, chasing three straight world championships and that average title. Bull riding, does it get any better than this? Holy cow. Stetson Wright wins again. That's his fourth bull round win. Yes, and that was a great bull ride. That little gray framer got it on around there. Away from his hand, difficult to ride. 
That was big timing it right there with these brothers. Yeah, he is uh, on track to maybe win two gold buckles in round number 10. You can watch it right here, the Cowboy Channel and RFD TV tonight. Wow, you don't want to miss round 10 of the Wrangler NFR. The next generation of rodeo stars will compete at the Junior World Finals presented by Yeti. From December 3rd through 12th at the Wrangler Rodeo Arena inside the Countdown Coliseum at the famous Fort Worth Stockyards, more than 750 youth contestants will compete for titles in nine events. Bull riding, team roping, tie-down roping, steer wrestling, barrel racing, breakaway, pole bending, mini saddle bronc riding, and mini bareback riding. Competition start at 7.30 a.m. daily and admission is just 10 bucks. Visit NFRExperience.com for details. Hey guys, I'm Nate Justice, uh, four-time NFR bullfighter uh, from Douglas, Wyoming, and I'm joining you on NFR Extra. Benji Bendele goes behind the scenes of how he choreographs the music that fills the rodeo arena of the Thomas Mack Center and this year at Arlington Stadium. He breaks down the process of how he prepares music for events, contestants, and memorable moments for each night of the Wrangler NFR. Benji touches on why he truly has the best seat in the house for the rodeo. Benji, welcome to NFR Extra, sir. How are you doing on this fine young morning in Texas? It is a beautiful Sunday morning here. It's uh, sun shining, and uh, we're breathing fresh air, and we're on the right side of the ground. So how can we be more blessed than that? So let's get into right where you're at right now because you're about as real-time as anybody with the rodeo. What? How is – and you don't need to compare anything yet. I think we can get into that a little bit down the road here. But how has your – where are we at here? We're heading towards hump day tomorrow. So how has your your past uh, three nights been? Like what 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 has this been like, man, over there in Texas, production? How's everything going for you? Everything is uh, going scary smooth, uh, to put a good description on it. Uh, we've had some challenges that we've gotten around uh, on the production side of things. Um, I'm sure that uh, down on the floor, loading in things and, and getting stock situated has been a challenge uh, for those people. But as far as production is, is concerned, uh, we've had uh, pretty smooth uh, for three performances the past three nights. Uh, the challenges we're facing is the new the venue is not only new to the rodeo in general, uh, it's a new venue altogether. So even the building managers uh, have some kinks with, uh, some things that are, you know, they didn't expect going into a production like this. Uh, the first thing that was held in this building was the world series a month ago. So, uh, the building's still new and we're trying to get around all those things. But for the most part, the team that has uh, been placed to, to produce the, the national finals rodeo here in Texas is, uh, a well-equipped well-understanding a production team and Glenn Allen is leading them pretty fairly well. Yes. He's doing a great job uh, to get everything together and it's his first one too. So everybody's challenged, not only by the COVID, but the move to Texas, the new venue, 
the size of the venue, uh, adding uh, the factor that everybody that sits in the stands can see the entire infield and everything that's going on out there while they watch the rodeo. It's a different feel than what you're used to at the Thomas and Mack in Las Vegas. I get what did, oh, so go, go ahead, Rollins. Go ahead. What did setup look like? Like what kind of equipment differences did you have going into this venue? Well, uh, I always, for me, I, I bring only my computers and my, my mixer for the position that I set in. So it's a fairly easy setup for me personally. Uh, but the house sound is what we're going through. So it's not made for what you typically are wanting to exp or have become, have become uh, expecting of sound at the National Finals Rodeo where it's in your face, you know, uh, a good mix of both sub type frequencies versus no sub frequencies. There's, I don't want to get too technical here, but the sound in the building is the biggest challenge for me and the announcers as we go through these next seven days. It's, it's not going to get a whole lot better. They're still working on it to improve it. We have Daryl Yost here, who is the uh, National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas. He is the front of house mix engineer. Uh, he's doing everything he can to get it to where we want it to be. But unfortunately, it's not going to be what we expect in Vegas uh, with the line arrays and the good sound hanging out in the middle of the building. All this sound is tucked up underneath in the stands. So it's hard even for us to hear what we're doing. We just got to go by meters on our boards and things and make sure that uh, we're not overdriving the system. Uh, every day, Daryl's working different things, working with the building to try to make the sound better uh, for the people on the floor. Uh, as you get closer to the arena fence and you get down into the floor, it's, it becomes almost impossible to understand the announcers or what's being done in the show. So like people in, on the gates, opening the gates for uh, the flags to come in or uh, <clears throat> different segments to take place throughout the, the show, not the competition part of it, but the extras, I would call them. It's hard to hear where the announcers are at, what they're saying. So you got to really, really pay attention and they're doing a good job with it, but uh, it is what it is. And we're glad to be having a rodeo and having a national finals rodeo and I commend the PRCA for making it happen and uh, in Texas for allowing it to happen and not shutting things down. Absolutely. And so for kind of the non, the non rodeo fans, I mean, we're talking specifically for rodeo on this deal, but with that building and the sound system that we're talking about, you would not use, I guess a parallel example would be, you're not going to use, the same sound system to announce a baseball game, which is the in-house system that we're speaking of that you would just plug kid rock in directly and have a kid rock concert, because that's gotta be the same thing. You know, I mean, you talk about the line arrays and I mean the ten, the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, that you have invested in your sound system that you hang at the Thomas and Mac and get that sort of a thing going. 
is like that is the sound quality of essentially concert. Am I close on that for a comparison for for something like that? Yeah, I mean the system at uh, Globe Life Field is made for next batter up is number thirty nine. You know, and his batting average. It's just basically a PA system. It's not made yeah. for in your face rock and roll music sound effects, announcer going at the same time, buzzer going off at the same time. Uh, it's not made for that. So it's uh, it's squashed as far as uh, the compressor. So when the buzzer sounds off, if the music's playing and the announcers are talking, the system shuts everything else out and all you hear is the buzzer. And then when the buzzer stops, then all of a sudden you hear the music and everything going. Uh. It's made specifically for a PA type announcement. And a, and a little background music from time to time. But yeah. like I said, it is what it is. And we're doing the best we can to, to, to clear it up and make it right for the experience of, you know, in the stadium. Yeah. How, and Benji, how long have you been the music director for the NFR? Total years? Uh, this is my 20th consecutive year. Wow. wow. Yeah. So I started in 2001 and, uh, have been selected every year since then. That's awesome. That's pretty neat though for you. I mean, for a benchmark in your career though, too, to have that much time. And like you said, it is what it is awesome to be here, but like, it's gotta be kind of neat to be like, it wasn't just Vegas. I got to do it in Texas too. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I, 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 uh, I set a goal when I was very first selected of 10 years and the 10 year mark came and I was like, should I set another goal or should I, just let every year go. And so I, I, I set another goal for 15 years, uh, another five years. And I made that mark. And then I set one more goal for 20. From this point on, I'm not going to set any more goals. Uh, as, I, as, older, as I get older, there's a lot of young, young music directors coming up that are really, really good. And, and uh, you know, they, they deserve a shot at being at the national finals rodeo as well now that we're members of the prca uh that position is selected by a committee so it's a blessing for me to come back if they keep asking me to come back i'm definitely not going to turn it down but when the time comes for me to be replaced i'll be wishing that person the best of luck to take on the reins most definitely that's awesome yeah competition's good though you know it elevates everything Let's for people that don't know, right. That don't get to go to the rodeo, they listen to this podcast, or if they do, and they don't get to see what's going on in your universe. When we're back at the Thomas Mack center, you're looking like Tony Stark. You have screens all around you. Um, and it, it, it is something that I love to watch from behind the scenes. Can you talk a little bit about your process and approach? Well, now we're back at the Thomas Mack center. This is kind of your, this is your, your playground, right? Can you talk a little bit about, about your process and what how you go about each event and the music that comes out? Because there's some mastery that goes down there, Benji, that I've gotten experience the past 20 years, but I don't think a lot of people understand what it goes through for you to do what you do during that event that makes it a big part of the NFR. Well, Nevada, every year before the NFR, say around October, they select the person that's going to come play the music. I'm, once I find out that I'm, I'm selected, 
I go into the studio and I, my family doesn't see me for four weeks every day because I'm in, and the studio is right behind the house. I'm in there preparing. I start preparing the theme songs for each event. I start preparing uh, additional music to add to make new music for each event rides and runs. Uh, I also send out a Facebook text uh, to all the contestants and their families and whomever wants to pass the message along that I'm taking requests. If they have a song or a theme type song they want played right before they run or ride to suggest it and uh, to, and I'll let them know that if, uh, if I can get it in, I will. I also kind of coach them on what kind of sound we're looking for, you know, something that I can edit the words out. Uh, that's another thing I do on, on a lot of the music that I play is in the studio, I'll go in and take a popular song and spend 30 minutes to an hour on it, editing the words out of the, out of the song. And some people say, well, why do you do that? That allows me to play that song that's recognizable to the fan's ear without the words and the announcer can talk over it as much as they want to and not interfere with the uh, lyrics being sung in the song. So you don't have two, two things competing against each other, the announcer. So that takes a lot of time and preparation leading up to the NFR. Uh, I also put together the grand entry music. Uh, I try to spice that up a little different. Uh, when you have different states, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, I try to get in that first little uh, lick, a guitar lick, you know, when they introduce Alabama, contestants from Alabama. And same thing on all the other states, too. There's some songs that I can jab in a few words or a few lines to enhance the state and where they're from as they're riding around in the arena. Uh, the Queens, I try to do some music for them when they're being introduced. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of prep and time in the studio and in, in the editing room, chopping and cutting and putting things together. And then dance music. We want to dance. We want to kiss. You don't want to play the same stuff over every year after year after year. You got to change those things around. So some of the kiss music when you're doing the kissing game uh, takes place. And then it takes forever to get the contestants. Like I said earlier, I sent out a text to, ask them if they have a song they want to request, it takes forever for them to respond, getting back. So as they respond, I'm building their music too. And that's 118, 119 contestants. About 25% of them probably react to wanting some music, which is a good number. Because if they all, all, all of them responded, I probably wouldn't be able to get them all done in that time frame. So it's a good number to have that many. And then the rest of them fall into place as far as theme songs. That whole theme song thing started with Cody Ole and that cowboy. Uh, I don't know if some of y'all remember that, you know. Yeah, the kid, the old kid rock. Yeah, cowboy. that theme song deal started, and it actually started when I played music for Sean Davis for the first time in Dallas at the co at the finale that they called it the Copenhagen Skull finale at the time. And it, it, uh, it was the first finale on TV at American Airlines Center in Dallas. And it just 
that just happened. We didn't plan it. It just fell into place. I played that sound effect right when he, Bob Tallman was introducing Cody Ole. And then all of a sudden there's that theme. And then every, a lot of the other contestants started wanting theme songs after that. That's where that all came about. That was back in 2001, actually, when I first started. That is a perfect spot to go to break. Cowboy Christmas, the Wrangler NFR's only official gift show, is open daily at the Fort Worth Convention Center through December 12th. Cowboy Christmas is no ordinary Western shopping fest. You'll find hundreds of exhibitors with the most unique Western apparel, art, furniture, jewelry, and so much more. If you need it, you can find it here. There's something for everyone at Cowboy Christmas, and admission is free. Get more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas, we're all in, in Texas, and it's all here. Hi, this is Tuff Edelman, four-time world champion bull rider, and you're listening to NFR Extra. NFR Music Director Benji Bedele is here on NFR Extra. Are you playing, like, five different songs through a ride? Like, in the box, when they ride, when they jump? Like, how... Can you walk through like tie down, for instance? Well, I, I try to set up music. Like the guys riding into the box, I got a drama build type music, a build up. I call them thresholds, but it's it's more of a drama setting for the announcers to talk about. Uh, it's the time frame right before they nod their head, where the announcers can build up and talk about this their accomplishments, their stats guy nods his head i go with a more of a techno type uh song just it has some good beats to it that will get people tapping their toes while the run's going and you'll be surprised people tap their toes up subconsciously when they hear a good a good beat going on <laughs> the guy gets to the off his horse he goes down i hit a drum roll and then i hit a uh a type of a fanfare, which is usually a ending of a good rock and roll tune. Basically I've taken a good rock and roll tune and the end of it, I've chopped it off and I've edited it where it sounds like a ta-da, but in rock and roll form. Uh, and then I go directly into a six second mode song, like for, for the six second time clock to tick away, I go into another song. So yeah, basically about five, four or five songs are played different ones for each run in the tie down in the steer wrestling and in the team roping for that matter. Uh, those events, it's about five, four to five songs are played during each run. So just so we calculate that <laughs> four to five, we're talking about what is that? 180, 160, 180 songs somewhere in there for three events. Yes, sir that have been manipulated and cut and stretched out and 10 days. So, yeah. 10 days. Well, I mean, I, from day to day, I'll play the some of the same cuts, but yeah, per night, I probably pay, play around a thousand clips per night. 1500 wow. clips per night, different ones. And I, my biggest goal is never 
on one night never play the same clip twice. Like my tadas, uh, the endings, the big fanfares, those I have to repeat. But the actual songs leading up to each run and each ride, even in the rough stock, I try not to play the same song uh, every more than once per night. Now, there's sometimes when I get in a situation where we're moving so fast and I'm looking to the right and the guy nods his head in the in the in the chute. And I just hit a button real fast because I know I got to go. Uh, and I accidentally hit one of the songs I've already played, but that rarely happens. But I'm prepared to be prepared if it does happen. In other words, I'm just ready to go with, with, a, with a click. See, that's crazy. People take that, everything you just talked about for granted because what you've done is created over time this consistency at the NFR that I'm dead serious. I think people take it for granted because they're so used to it. It's so good. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I always tell people, man, be careful. And, and I know you got to people, I'm not sure how GA works, but it sounds like GA is like, I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm going to be here to catch you if you fall, right? Like, it just seems like GA's leadership is like that. I worked with Sean Davis for, well, a good 15 years. I know right. not exactly, I'm not talking any bad about Sean, but what a difficulty you got to deal with there. But anyways, that's just my kind of my take on that. I do have one question about the um, the moments that you got to be of uh, the past 20 years. Go ahead, sorry. With, no, but within those moments, you technically have the best seat in the house. Yeah, it is a great seat to be sitting in. I mean, I, I see everything that's happening. I'm part of the action. I, I sometimes set the tone for where the announcers are going with their moments, too. Like how they're going to set up a cowboy, how they're going to sell something that we're doing. What I play at a particular time sets the tone of the room. They can be quiet one moment. And I can play something and it just, it's like the suspense is building before Cody Old nods his head or Fred, back when Fred Whitfield was coming. Uh, those guys were dynamic and it was fun to watch them compete. Uh, but I could set the tone for how the, how 17,000 people were feeling right before those guys nodded their head. It was pretty, it's a very cool experience for me and uh, it's very warming. When, when I think about it in that manner. You're the drummer of the band sort of a deal. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm one piece of the band, though. There's a lot of pieces to this orchestra to make it all work. And I say that in a way. I know I play the music, but the orchestra is everybody involved. And we've got a fine, fine-tuned band playing when we're in the position we're in here at this rodeo or or when it's back in Vegas next year, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, good feeling, you know, to have a good, uh, to have a good team that you're working with. So how about this? If, you know, you're working with some, well, worked with Tallman, I know that, but how is it? And Mooney's been a couple of times. How has it been working? Because I love right now we're sitting on a Zoom call and I'm looking at two that work to got in the, the magic of things. If the announcer and the DJ don't, if there's no chemistry, 
everything is going to fall apart. It really is. I've learned that about rodeo, regardless of what happens on the dirt, man, if it's, it's hard, it, you get that all that has to connect. And I do get Sean Davis's vision. How has it been working with, uh, Mr. Steve Godert's cohort where they used to work together at junior world finals, Mr. Andy Seiler, Mooney Tallman. How has it been with this whole kind of, uh, unit you got going on? It's, it's been a great experience. Uh, I've worked with all of them, uh, at other rodeos so you know i know i know their ins or outs i know how they sell things uh what helps me to work with any announcer going is the fact that i have been an announcer in the prca in the past before i started playing music so i kind of got the feel of when they're going to post up so i can jab something in you know jab a sound effect in there uh i feel when they're going to sell something out the way they're going to sell it as an announcer i can see where they're going with things and i can see where they're going to be with the next cynics that they're going to say just by listening to how they're they're talking so the, me having a past of announcing has been a great experience has been a great experience as a music director working with andy Siler is very easy uh he's very smooth uh and easy to get along with he, he communicates well uh, being side by side and being right close to the announcers, I can holler out, Hey, I got something and they'll shut up and I'll play what I need to play. So there's a lot of communication goes on, on the announcer stand, uh, at, at the national finals rodeo. Uh, and a lot of people don't see that. They don't know that, but there's, there's a lot of, uh, camaraderie there that, and pride to work with those guys and, and, even set up a few things before the rodeo starts. Hey, at this moment, we're going to do this. Let's try this there and let's do this over here. And when we get there, we just look at each other. Are we ready? And yeah, nod of the head and we go with it. And it's, it's easy to work with all three of those guys. They're, they're pros. And it's easy to work with a lot of good, a lot of announcers. If you just communicate with them uh, on a professional level and let them know what you expect of them and, and then ask them what they expect of you so that you can work together in that fashion and make it all work correctly. Do you, do you guys, okay. Cause obviously the, there's stats that go to everything and, and there, there may be a moment that's going to happen this night or next night or something like that. Do you, do you yourself and the announcers talk about maybe a plan if say for instance, you know, Hey, if he rides this bull or he ride, you know, whatever the moment you know is going to happen that night, do you guys kind of like coordinate that a little bit? Maybe if there's getting ready to be a record or something like that? No, not really. Uh, when it comes to stuff like that, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, we don't even talk about it. We see it coming. If, if a guy's made a good ride and the, it, it's, it's, you can just tell at the NFR when there's a good, good, I mean, an outstanding ride and he's going to take the lead. I may holler out over there, guys, when you sell this post up, I got something. It's, it's something that we communicate right there on the spot. Uh, you, you, you mentioned something just a second ago, and I can't remember what it was, but the, the communication, like I said a while ago, the communication level was really good. Like last night, right before the gentleman from uh, – in the team roping, right before the gentleman – from South Carolina, we're fixing to make their, they're getting ready to make their run. They're in the box. Bob looked, Bob just happened to look over at me and I told him, I just hollered out, 
and I have to holler out. I don't holler out because I'm trying to be ugly, but you got to holler out because it's loud. I hollered out, hey, if they make a good run, I got something. So let me have it when you, when that, when that, when they dally up and face, let me have it. And sure enough, they did. And I hit the crowds going wild and, and I hit sweet Caroline, the song. And they, cause they were from Carolina, you know, South Carolina. So I hit that song and the crowd sang it. And, and those are moments that we don't plan. We just hit them in the moment. Mm. And that happens 90% of the time when we're at a rodeo performance, whether it's here at the NFR or at another rodeo somewhere else in the country, it's that that's the beauty of allowing us to do our thing and not scripting us. You know, Benji, What's, Caroline, that's for sure. Say again, I didn't, you can never go wrong with sweet Caroline. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's crazy too, as far as the production aspect of that and you know, how you, it does take so much experience, you know, it's not just like, Oh man, this really came together. It took me, you know, from the announcer side of it, um, you know, you got to let the announcer be the announcer, the music man, be the music man at regular rodeos, let the clown be the clown. But like that thing where you take the momentum from a good ride and then you celebrate it and then it turns into something else like that sort of a deal. You know, some people think like, Oh, they're, you know, whatever it is, but like that, let that ride that wave ride until, you know, it kind of fizzles out. And one of the greatest examples is when I was younger and kind of just, you know, didn't really understand everything. And, and you do have to be taught that sort of stuff on, on all aspects of be it the, you know, uh, the production side, the management side, the sound side, the announcing side, there is a hand clap of this sound guy that I was going with. There is a hand clap and song going on and I was getting ready to say something. And he says, uh, say something. And sure enough, as soon as I started talking, everybody stopped clapping their hands. And then he goes, now watch. Then later on the show, he goes, now watch this. Don't say anything. And he goes, set up the ride, get the hand clapping going. And it's like when you have that energy, that's hard. I mean, that's that takes some talent and that takes years of experience to know, like, from your position, like, hey, let let me help be part of the team and bang the drum on this one. So that's impressive when you see something like that. You know, at them rodeos, when you get a hold of somebody and you're just like, man, this guy has got the crowd. Right. And it's same in the sing-along. Uh, the guys, the announcers have to understand when you have a sing-along going and when you talk over the part where they're supposed to sing, they're not going to sing. The crowd will not sing while the announcer's talking. Yeah. Set so up the, the sing-along, the music plays, the music director pulls it down, and sometimes the announcers will say, come on, sing it. You just lost that moment. So th there's Got it. Those, those things don't get talked about enough and they don't seem like they're a big deal, but uh, it happens more often than not when you, you have someone that you, those things you do need to talk about a little bit, you know, yeah. you do, right. Unless you've already worked with that announcer. I'm fortunate enough. I work with, with the announcers enough, the same ones that they, they get it and understand it but I can see where you're, you're saying where you went back in the day when you were a little younger, I see a little gray hair on your head now, but yeah. Hey, thanks. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I understand that back in the day was, it was you, but you learn though. That's how you learn things. Yeah. Somebody teaches you or, or explains it to you and you're like, Oh yeah, right, that, that, that's good. I, that happens every day for me. So uh, 
it's a it's a learning process what works and what doesn't work and then you don't repeat what doesn't work you try to keep going with what does work you definitely got something that's been working for 20 some odd years man and that's uh it's been awesome to see in a different venue to see you doing your crafting your trade there so it's been definitely neat it's been a, i've enjoyed it over the years yes i have well cool man thank you this is uh great talking to you dude seriously I, you know, it's weird. I know you may not think that people want to hear this, but I have a funny feeling. There's a lot of fans that understanding the music side of things. They want to hear this conversation. So, uh, we definitely thank you for coming on. I definitely know you are a busy guy, uh, during the NFR, probably getting some rest and relaxation right now. And we're interrupting that, but thank you for uh, coming on NFR extra and sharing some behind the scenes, no pun information of what goes on during the NFR at well Arlington right now and always at Thomas Mack Center. Well, I'm ready to, I'm ready to actually ready to see the bright lights and glitz and glamor of Las Vegas again. Uh, it's, it's not the same. It's, it's, it, they're doing a great job here. Don't get me wrong. I want to compliment them on the job they do. Uh, but the, the the experience the actual nfr experience doesn't compare to what vegas has to offer here here i'm saying that not to cut anything down or anybody down i'm just saying i'm speaking the truth you know yeah hey we're we're, nobody is arguing with you for sure (laughs) (laughs) will not get an argument out of us on that one but we thank you for it Oh, yes, ma'am. You're welcome. Stay healthy. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Benji. Have a good day. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Second in popularity to only the show at the Thomas and Mack Center, Cowboy Christmas is indescribable. So I'm not going to try, but here are some who will. A confluence of Americana. It's not a Kodak moment. It's a Kodak Hour. NFR shopping in Vegas. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, sit back and let me show you. This Christmas shopping, a rite of passage, began in 1986 with 50 vendors. Today, more than 330 exhibitors sell more than $15 million worth of the finest and most diverse Western goods to over 250,000 fans annually. How do they do that? If you're a fan of the Western lifestyle, the Cowboy Christmas exhibitors offer a broad spectrum of products that will fulfill all your Christmas needs. Cowboy Christmas exhibitors sell everything from handmade pottery and crafts to furnishings, original artwork, and Western wear. Whether you're shopping for something for the house, for yourself, a gift for a friend or family, you will find it all here. Las Vegas, the NFR, Cowboy Christmas. Doesn't get any better than that. Hey y'all, it's Lainey Wilson, singer-songwriter in Nashville, and I'm here with NFR Extra.
NFR Insider Susan Canone visits us as she talks about the blessing of the 2020 Wrangler NFR coming to the DFW area and the absence of the canceled 2021 Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo and how NFR contestants Hunter Heron and Colby Lovell faced adversity dealing with injuries and personal loss. Plus, the uprising of the young bull riders, Kai Hamilton, Ty Wallace, and Colton Fritzlin. Susan Canode, our NFR insider. Welcome to NFR Extra. How are you doing, my friend, during this 2020 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo in Texas? Well, I'm great. It's been great. We've had beautiful weather. I'm always all about that. A little bit of rain this morning. And it's been nice because it's been so close to home. But, you know, Tyson Durfee and his wife were talking about how when they go to Vegas, they it's kind of a vacation because they get away from home and they don't have those chores to do every day. And you know, I'm, I'm home, so I'm still doing chores every day. Let's go back to September. Um, you see Jeff Matters gets up super happy. Well, what are you doing in Arlington Stadium, my man? What, what are you talking about right now? And all of a sudden he announces the NFR is going to take place right here at Arlington Stadium, Globe Life. What was going through your head and kind of your expectations at that point for the NFR? Well, honestly, I got sick to my stomach. And not that I was not happy about having an NFR or, but because we have made friends in Vegas, we have a routine in Vegas. We have the electricity of the Thomas and Mac and, and wondering what is going to happen to all of those things in Vegas for December, because we know that's why Vegas hosted the NFR originally. And so you know, I just, I got a little sick to my stomach and I'm, and, and what does it mean for me and how's it going to change the prize money? And there's all those unknowns that they've answered those questions. And we've had a fabulous NFR here in Texas, but it is not Las Vegas. As far as the community in Texas, where are you from? How, how was the perspective of it happening there? Well, you know, Texans might be a little stubborn. And when when uh, when a Texan tells you that they're going to do something, ninety percent of the time they do it, and they they get they do what it takes to get the job done. So there was that. There was the excitement of having a big event. Um, you know, it wasn't long after that that the Fort Worth Stock Show Rodeo announced that they weren't having their events. People thought that having the NFR would be a good sign for the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo, but they're two completely different events and types of events. So I think there was a lot of optimism, and I think it gave people here something to look forward to. It all makes sense now. There's, there's, and, and I, you know, that hasn't been talked about a lot um, about the pride of the community of what they do for that show, and now they, you know because they're not having it for 2021, they are doing the NFR. And here we are, we're almost wrapping up the NFR. So clearly it's worked and they've had their own NFR experience, which is at this point has been pretty awesome. 
Right. Well, the big difference is, is with the NFR and with it being spread out to different venues, like the Junior World Finals is at the Stockyards and the NFR is in Arlington at Globe Life Field and you've got the Convention Center. It's all these different venues. When you have the Fort Worth Stock Show Rodeo, it's all on one campus and it's 24-7. So you've got people showing up to wash cattle at two and three o'clock in the morning to get ready for their shows. It's you've got people feeding and taking care of animals and it's 24 seven on one campus. There's not an opportunity to go sterilize anything or clean anything or sanitize anything. And it's it's in the middle of flu season. So when when they made the announcement, it really made sense to me. Uh, I I was disappointed when people were negative about that because we are having the NFR. Why can't we have the Fort Worth Stock Show? It's again, it's it's every situation is unique. What's something that is sticking out in your heart and mind over the past 10 days that that you got to share with us going on with the NFR 2020? I think. You know, the emotions of it have been completely different than what we've seen in Thomas and Mac and what we've seen in Las Vegas. And I think part of that is because it's been so routine and with so many rodeos canceling and so many things going on in our world. And then I think that that it's it's made the contestants a little more raw. And there's been there, there's such an air of gratitude. Um, people are thankful for the committees that went out on a limb and had rodeos and some rodeo committees had rodeos that didn't go out on a limb. But there there's a real sense of gratitude. And then you have the stories like Hunter Heron, who has just blown his own mind, I think, with what he's accomplished here, winning two go rounds and after having two hip surgeries, I, I can't even feature what it took to come back at his age and then be competitive. And, and it's, I've never seen a hunter emotional about anything. He broke the arena record in San Antonio and he was like, Oh yeah, it was just another run, you know? And here he is winning around and he's emotional because he didn't know if he'd ever get to come back. He didn't know if we'd get to have an NFR so many things. And he's just like, it's, it's very raw. Yeah, well, it's funny you bring that up because I'm going to add this. I'm sure that you can go in a million different directions. So I was listening to the Gage uh, podcast and Ivy um, Conrado was on there, right? Conrado, I, I don't want to mess up her name. Yeah. Um, but she was actually talking about that same thing that a lot of people don't know any better, right? When they're coming to Arlington as a, compared to Thomas Matt, because there, there's, there's this allure to what it is and the mystique of it and, you know, the house that Joe built, et cetera, et cetera. None of that exists here, you know. It, so she said, like, that's why you're seeing a difference of competition with folks uh, doing what they're doing. Is are you seeing that across the board with with all the events? Well, I don't. You know, I I don't know about that. I think that that's that's a tough question because everybody has a different perspective. And, and for me, the differences have been more uh, uh, a humbling of people in the sport because we took it for granted. 
we took it for granted that there were going to be rodeos and we took it for granted that Cheyenne Frontier Days was going to go on because it has gone on. I mean, they they missed one national Western because of a disease, hoof and mouth disease, I think it was. And, and so we've taken it all for granted. And so now to have, to showcase rodeo on this kind of a stage, I think has humbled a lot of people. So it's, it's been a little different. Um, there's nobody going in with the attitude that, that, you know, the Thomas and Mac has always been good to me. I've won this at the NFR. I've done this. Everybody's on a more level playing field because like we talked about in, in the NFR Insider blog, this is everybody's first time. Is there been a difference as far as the, the size of what you're dealing with here compared to Thomas Mac Center where everything's on top of you? Does that really matter in the competition side? It does. So for the rough stock contestants, they have 12 bucking shoots. So they're not rushing to get ready because they've got 12 horses loaded at a time instead of six and then six more and then three more because they're trying to get 15 horses through six bucking shoots. Now they're getting 15 horses through 12 bucking shoots. So that's made a difference. In the timed events, you know, that the score is different here. They've talked about that a lot. It's more similar to what, what you have at a regular rodeo, but everybody talks about that. And you know me, I like to talk about things that are different. Yeah. So one thing that has been awesome here and will never happen at the Thomas and Mac is they have a warm up arena inside the arena. So at the Thomas and Mac, they warm up in a tent. They come down an alley to get into the arena um, before they compete, they'll be riding up and down the alley and getting ready in the alley and take their coats off in the alley. They do everything in the alley. And then they ride into the arena and they compete. And here they have this big arena where they can warm up and actually see what's going on in the rodeo before they compete. And then there's room for them to kind of hang out and watch the rest of the rodeo and see what's going on with the other events. And that's a thing about our rodeo contestants is a lot of them are really big rodeo fans. They like the other events. So if they can be riding their horses around in the back and see what's happening with the bareback riding on the big screen, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And they'll watch and see what's going on. So, and, and being able to warm up in the same arena that you're competing in has been good for a lot of contestants. Emily Miller has decided that doesn't work for her in Chongo. And because he starts thinking too much, your horse can start thinking about what's going on too. And he starts thinking because of all of the things going on around. So she rides around out back and then rides him in as she's ready to compete. Clearly that's working uh, as we've seen. Clearly (laughs) it took her a little bit to figure it out, but clearly it's working. (laughs) So, you know, and, and there's good and bad with everything, but but I can really see Adam Gray's point about how nice it is to have that arena right there and be able to ride your horse around and know where they're at in the rodeo instead of just looking at a little TV screen in the warm-up tent at the Thomas and Mac and, and to not have to wonder about keeping your ropes warm. You know, that's a big deal, too. Is keep, and, and it can get cold in Las Vegas in December. <laughs> yeah, it can. When I saw how the arena was set up here and I saw things, I didn't think that the roping 
would be as exciting here as it is in the Thomas and Mac. And I didn't think, because especially the team roping, you know, like they talk about the steer one to go left or things that go on. And, and here, boy, you're in those buck and shoots pretty darn quick. Those headers, they really have to get them caught and turn. And they have, there's so many little things they have to do and it has to be done right to get good times. And the times here have been phenomenal. And I think the setup has been as challenging as the Thomas and Mac. And that's kind of a surprise for us. Susan, let's pause right there for a quick break. NFR Extra follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylan Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, with our re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hi, I'm Tyler Pearson, world champion steer wrestler, and you're listening to NFR Extra. We are here with NFR insider, Susan Canode. What are some other things that have really piqued your interest during this run in uh, Fort Worth and Arlington? Well, I think if you would have told me starting round one, that we would see Shad Mayfield 15th in the average and see the tie down roping championship coming down to the wire, even though he had such a huge lead coming in. And you'd have told me that Sage Kimsey hadn't been on stage for a buckle yet and hadn't won around. And he's that Sage Kimsey was going to struggle at globe life field. I think I would have said, you've got to be kidding me. Like I, I just, I still find it hard to believe that, it's always great to see a lot of people have success at the NFR, wherever it's at, you know, and like Trevor says, it doesn't matter what address it's at. It's still the NFR. And it's awesome to see people have success. It's really hard to see people struggle and seeing Sage Kimsey struggle here, whether you want him to win or you don't want him to win. I mean, the guy, the guy's a, he's a great guy and he's a winner and he's a champion no matter what. And he has set this goal. And I think it, I don't want to say it's come easy for him because he's really worked at it for the past six years. But to see him really struggle here has been hard for me to watch. His consistency has been insane. And to watch him struggle has been quite interesting. But I think the other part too is that, but it seems like there's a lot of good young bull riders right now that are moving up into this universe that a number one, is making this a fantastic NFR. It's been a lot of fun to watch the ups and downs, um, the Australian kid, um, Ty, all these cats that have been making this interesting. But don't you think this is going to make him better knowing that he's still young and he's got goals that now you're like, man, you got to maybe you got to redo your game a little bit and come back even stronger. Is that something you could see coming from Sage? 100%. I think um, adversity builds character and makes you stronger no matter what that adversity is. 
And I definitely see that coming from Sage. And I've seen it come from Ty Wallace because Ty Wallace was at the NFR three years ago, I think, and had a stellar NFR and was ended up third in the world, I believe. And so then he came to Denver and set the arena record. And then he got hurt, broke an arm, and then he broke an ankle. And he's just been dealing with injuries and he's missed being here. So now he's here and having he's having a, the best NFR he could possibly have. And it, that's been really fun to watch. The other thing that I think um, with this group of bull riders that we have here, there's much more of a cowboy mentality than just a bull rider mentality. And they are turning it up a notch. There is a never say die attitude about them. And that's been fun to see. But I don't think people were expecting it to have this kind of level of competition from these young dudes. Is that correct? Oh, without a doubt. You know, before this NFR, people didn't know Colton Fritzland's name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, who's that? Well, he was traveling with a kid named Levi Gray that I know from college rodeo. And I've watched Colton this year. And I'm like, man, that guy rides good. And then my nephew told me about him riding at a um, Buckers Unlimited Futurity and and how good he was there. And so my nephew picked him for his pro fantasy team and he's really happy right now, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a group of bull riders that, that make the bull riding part of pro rodeo, very exciting for the future. Talk to us a little bit about the Australian kid, Kai Hamilton, man, this dude came onto the scene and really hasn't turned back. I mean, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. Can you talk a little bit about Kai a little bit? Yeah, so Kai came, uh, he came to the U.S. the first time when he was a junior in high school and went to the junior high finals. And then uh, he got hooked up with a rodeo coach named C.J. Aragon, who was at Odessa, Texas. And uh, Kai went to the college finals and was rodeoing there. Well, C.J. then got a job at Ross State University, which is where college rodeo got its start. And... Kai went to Sol Ross with CJ. So along with his pro rodeo stuff, he's also been college rodeoing and he's actually first in the Southwest region standings in college rodeo right now. But I got to see him in 2019 at the CNFR and CJ told me then that he was the real deal. And, you know, if a rodeo coach tells you that, then you usually pay attention to him. And so I've been watching Kai for a while. One, one, one last thing of like just sits in your mind and your heart that you've seen story-wise here. So I loved the fact that Colby Lovell and Paul Eads got a buckle last night. Um, Colby is as good a cowboy. And, you know, I grew up on a ranch. I was raised on a ranch in Northeast Colorado. And so all of those cowboys that, are real ranchy. I just have a soft spot spot in my heart for him. And, and Colby is ranchy. Like he loves hog hunting. He, he said on the buckle at the award ceremony last night, he loves anything where somebody might get hurt, but they don't. And it's funny. He said things that come at you. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yes. So he, he's been three years away from rodeoing full time. He went to amateur rodeos and, has been working on a ranch that was started by his grandfather and he trains horses and hunts hogs and 
in the middle of all of that, he became friends with a young man named Cody Neesmith or Nesmith. I don't know how you say it for sure. From Louisiana. And Cody had Ewing sarcoma and was doing better. But Cody's father reached out to Colby and Colby said, hey, just come rope with us because Cody always wanted to rope in Vegas. And so he his cancer came back and they knew that that probably wasn't going to be a possibility. But Cody had um, qualified for the World Series last year. And even though Colby didn't go to the NFR, I think he probably was out there for the World Series. But Colby took Cody a horse and made sure that Cody could rope in Las Vegas last year. And it was such a heartwarming, cool story. And uh, then Cody lost his battle with cancer this July. And so to see like the, the relationship continue with Cody's parents, Colby is riding with a patch for Cody. And he just, he's talked about how he became a better man because of that. And I know he doesn't necessarily want to talk about it or it's not an easy thing to talk about, which is more of that raw emotion that we talked about. But I sent Randy Corley a note last night and I said, hey, you need to ask Colby about this because he will talk about it. And those are the kinds of stories that I feel like makes rodeo relevant to the rest of the world. They may not understand roping. They may not understand what it's like to get your golf caddy and your golf clubs and all of that stuff together to take to your friend who has cancer so he can go rope. They, but they understand going the extra mile for your friend who has cancer, you know, and I've always felt that the stories that make our sport relevant to the general public are the ones that show us as human beings, not just cowboys and cowgirls. And you're talking about the, the buckle presentation. And I saw that and I'm what you saw were two different human beings there, right? You saw the one, as you're talking about, he's just this ranchy guy, which I was loving that story and just how he explained what he gets after, what he likes to. And you're like, man, and you know, yeah. And then you switch gears and you start talking about really real life stuff, right? Death. And, um, yeah. Wow. Did his emotions change? It just showed really kind of, uh, what a cowboy really kind of how they exist, what we love about them, um, that they can be so badass on one side. Right. And then the other side, there's this, this heart that, well, they're like all of us basically. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's what I love about them. And those are the kind of stories that I like to tell. And I hate that we have a story that his friend died from cancer, you know, and, that's that's a close one to my heart because my friend Shane Jury died from Ewing sarcoma. So, um, but I, those are the things that make us relevant. And Tyler Pearson's wife told me in in May. She said we're all human, and we we could remember that. It would serve us well as a society to remember that. Let's not close on a sad note. Well, what are you looking forward to here, ending this this NFR? I always said that the NFR, you know, you, you think, oh, man, we've got 10 days or we've got 14 days. And then you blink your eyes and it's over and we're almost there. It's going to be exciting to see how it all plays out in the next two nights. I was thinking this morning, there's been a lot of years where by round eight, we've got a champion crowned. And I've never seen races this close ever. So that's exciting, too. Yeah, it definitely uh 
keeps you on the edge of your seat and seeing how this thing's going. I was going through all the standings last night, just looking at like, and you already brought this up earlier, but about Shad, when I was looking at this, like, OMG, like, whoa, um, didn't think that was going to happen. This is just my, my own take. I know you already said it, but I was just like, wow. I think that, you know, the rodeo hiatus, it, it played havoc with so many different elements, but I think it really hurt Shad because he had such momentum built up and he was doing phenomenal things, just roping better than he'd ever roped. And then you take the competitional element away from it. You can practice all you want to, but it's, it can be really hard to get back in that zone. I'm going to leave you with one more thought that probably has never happened in NFR history. All good. Through the first seven rounds of competition in the steer wrestling, 12 guys had gotten a share of the go round win. So that means 12 of them got to go be interviewed by Flint and Randy and are getting Montana silversmith buckles. And I don't think that's ever happened. And to only have three steer wrestlers that haven't made it for a buckle is crazy. But man, the gold buckle presentation has been absolutely one of the, probably the highlights of my night. Actually, I love watching the NFR, but getting to that point, And yeah, I think the variety of Cowboys that have gotten up there and not me not knowing that that was a record or anything like that. It's just been very enjoyable, if I use that word right. Again, when we see them on that stage and they bring family members or they bring somebody, they become human to us. They're not just a competitor in the arena. And I think that's what's made that so enjoyable for, for everybody and for years, even when it was at the South Point and now you know, having it on the Cowboy Channel, it just it's it's an, a great opportunity to showcase the human qualities of our rodeo contestants. And Randy and Flint do it better than anybody. Yeah, they do. It has been absolutely awesome to watch. Susan, thank you. You're welcome. Um, enjoy your rest of the run here uh, for the NFR. And yeah, man. And, you know, hey, if I don't talk to you, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. To you as well. And I'm looking forward to Vegas 2020, 2021. <laughs> here, 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 here on that. <laughs> All good. All right, Susan. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Nevada. Take care. We want to thank Susan Canode and Benji Bendeley for visiting with us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. And the ladies in the-